Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Mark Demonstein is with us. He is the president of the American Postal Workers Union, the APWU, their website, appropriately, APWU.org, part of the AFL-CIO. In fact, Mark Demonstein is a member of the AFL-CIO Executive Council. Mark, it's great to have you back. President Demonstein, it's great to have you back. You've got a brilliant article in, in these times, and I've seen versions of it in other places, Common Dreams and whatnot, about the Trump administration's plans to privatize the post office and just basically destroy it. What's the state of things right now? Well, Tom, first, thanks so much for having me, and it's uh, to talk about an issue so near and dear to the American people. The Trump administration went on record in June 2018 calling for the open privatization, meaning selling the post office off to private corporations, and therefore whatever mail service we may get and package service would be strictly based on whether somebody can make a profit. And that's obviously counter to the public mission and the universal service mandate that says we go, and rightfully says, we go to everybody's address, 160 million addresses a day, no matter who we are, where we live. And it's a great small-D democratic right of the people's. But the current state of affairs... We're being de- the Postal Service is being deeply affected by the pandemic-induced economic crisis. So mail volume has fallen off. The post office is not taxpayer-based. A lot of listeners probably don't realize that. It doesn't run on taxpayer dollars. It runs on the revenue of postage and postal products. So if mail volume drastically drops, temporarily it's being held together by this increase in packages as people are sheltered in place. But that won't last. So the projections are that the COVID itself, the economic crisis associated with COVID, will cause about a $50 billion loss in revenue to the Postal Service over the next 10 years. We had a lot of it in the first year and year and a half. And so what's going to happen is the revenue will not be there to carry out the mission. And that opens up for those who want to privatize to shamefully use this crisis to try to break up the Postal Service. And then on top of it, we have a new Postmaster General who knows very little about the inner workings of the Post Office, been in a month, and yet has just instituted new plans to slow down and delay mail, something that postal workers are completely the opposite of. We're extremely dedicated to the mission. You can see that during the the heroic role of postal workers as frontline essential workers, not the only heroes out there. You got cashiers, you got truck drivers, you got sanitation workers, and of course our wonderful healthcare workers, and so on. But postal workers have been out there, and that just exemplifies how dedicated we are to serving the customer. And it's not called the United States Postal Business; it's called the United States Postal Service for a reason. So we are very concerned that these new moves by the new Postmaster General will further degrade service, which really ripens the Postal Service for those who want to privatize it. There's two, two dueling theories, let's say, about why Trump is doing this. One is that he wants to slow down Postal Service so that mail-in ballots will not be reliable in November 
and he can claim election fraud and throw the election uh, using the 12th Amendment into the House of Representatives where a majority of Republican, where each state has one vote and there's a majority of Republican states, that would get Trump reelected regardless of how bad he lost either in the Electoral College or the national vote. Second theory, of course, is what you were just talking about, that he wants to just sell it off to his buddies and that this is both ideological These uh, libertarians don't believe in government doing anything other than police functions and maybe some court functions. But also these big corporations uh, have big lobbyists who have been greasing the palms of of legislators, uh, largely Republican in this case, but legislators right across the board for years and years. What are your thoughts on which of those two theories actually makes more sense? I mean, you're on the ground and you're seeing all this happen. Well, uh, Tom, I think the underlying theory is that Wall Street, the hedge funders, private corporations want to get their hands on the public till. I think it's a question of following the money. The post office generates over $70 billion a year in postal revenue. Of course, that is what is then there not to enrich shareholders or CEOs or Wall Street, but to enrich the people of the country with this small-D democratic right. They want their hands on that. They want to raid the public till, that cash register that belongs to all of us and they want that for their own private profit. So I think that's the underlying thrust. It didn't start with the Trump administration, but it is accelerating and intensifying with this administration. Now, the question of vote by mail is also a very interesting piece of this, because with the pandemic, it's become really a question of whether millions and millions and millions of people will have access to the ballot box. And all this question, the post office has been doing mail ballots for generations. Our very overseas personnel and their families have been voting by mail for generations. People have been voting absentee ballot for generations. Five states vote by law. California votes voluntarily in the, you know, an economy that would be the eighth largest economy in the world if they were their own country. Half the people vote by mail. And the president himself votes by mail. This idea of fraud is just an absolute smokescreen. Oregon has had where I think you are based now. Oregon has vote by mail right for 19 years at every level of government, from the local election, the city council, school board, all the way to the presidency. Over 100 million ballots cast over 19 years, 15 cases of voter fraud. That's less than one a year. And yet, Utah, I think, has had voted vote by mail by law now for five or six years. Zero cases of voter fraud. It's actually an absolute scam to claim that something, and the post office is extremely trusted. It's reliable. There's a paper trail. There's accountability. We're dedicated to what's called the sanctity of the mail, the privacy of the mail. It's a great way to vote. What can people do to support the post office? Well, they can call their senators this week who are dealing with stimulus relief that passed the House that will put $25 billion to make up the projected revenue lost due to COVID. So get the post office through this crisis and help keep it vibrant going forward. Thanks, Tom. There you go. Okay, thanks. Mark Demonstein, he is the, uh, the president of the American Postal Workers Union. APWU.org is their website, and uh, they're doing God's work. It's uh, great people and, and a great union. The post office largest unionized employer in America. That may have something to do with the Republican war on the post office. This is the Tom Hartman Program. But the Republican war isn't just going on against the post office. It's going on against democracy itself. Quote for the hour by John Lewis, the vote is the most powerful nonviolent tool we have. And he said, never give up, never give in, never become hostile. Hate is too big a burden to bear. What if Trump was to turn what's going on here in Portland? What if this was a small test of a much larger program? Trump needs to get the country under control if he's going to win the election. And I don't mean he needs to get the American people behind him because he got the country under control. I mean, he needs to be able to control the election process. And the parts of the country that will deliver a Joe Biden victory are not the rural red parts of America. 
They are the blue cities and suburbs, and many of them are in red states. So if Donald Trump does not want the good citizens of Atlanta to have an easy time voting in November, just shut the city down. Declare it a crisis. Now, in order to declare the crisis, first you have to provoke the crisis. Right? I mean, Atlanta has a crisis right now of COVID infections. And he might be able to use that as the excuse. In fact, he certainly could. But he would have a harder time getting people out on the streets, police out on the streets doing that. But, you know, if he was to say, okay, uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, mayor, mayor of Atlanta, sorry, you're out. Or if he had Brian Kemp do it. And Brian Kemp says, uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're, going to, we're going to put uh, an emergency manager into Atlanta. Now, what provokes that? Well, first, you know, Trump's secret police show up in Atlanta. And they start cracking heads in some little demonstration that's going on. In some obscure, keep in mind, what's going on here in Portland was limited to a three-block area. There were three city blocks where all this was going on. Pretty much, mostly, about a block and a half. These are very small. These were leftover demonstrations from the George Floyd protests. The principal evil that was going on, or you know, whatever Trump calls it, law-breaking, was tagging things, was graffiti. But as soon as Trump brought out the federal police, as soon as he brought out the secret police and started cracking heads and throwing tear gas and shooting people and got it in the press, right? He shot a guy in the face. A peaceful protester, he's just standing there holding a loudspeaker over his head, shot him in the face, fractured his skull, broke the bones of his face, emergency surgery. It made the news all across the state. Everybody in Portland is like, what the hell? And so the next night, instead of 30 or 50 people showing up, there's, you know, 300. And as I pointed out last night, there were 300 moms out there and they tear gassed and beat them. So all this provides the excuse. Now, the governor of Oregon is almost certainly not going to declare a state of emergency and evict our mayor here, Ted Wheeler, from the Oregon mayorality, or however you say that. She's not going to kick him out of the mayor's office, and she's not going to replace the city council like Rick Snyder did in Michigan with the mayor of Detroit and the city council of Detroit, or the mayor of Flint, Michigan, and the city council of Flint, Michigan. And it turns out he was doing that in Michigan so that one of his buddies could make some money off the situation in Flint with the water supply. Well, that's not going to happen here in Oregon. We've got a Democratic governor. But how many states have blue cities, like Miami, and Republican governors like Rick DeSantis. I don't have a list here in front of me. I'd have to kind of go through in my head state by state. You know, Texas, you've got Greg Abbott as the governor. You've got Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, all of them. I believe they all have Democratic mayors. I might be wrong on one of them, but and they're all, you know, largely Democratic cities. So Trump sends in his provocateurs, his federalized secret police. They rough some people up and do some high profile, you know, tear gassing in the streets. And all of a sudden, the counter protesters show up. People get pissed off when foreign invaders come into their town. We didn't like it in 1776. We don't like it today. People get pissed off. They show up in the streets. And so the governor of Texas or the governor of Florida, Georgia says, OK, that's it. These cities being run by these Democratic mayors, they're out of control. We're going to declare a state of emergency and replace the mayors with emergency managers. Now, this went through a whole litigation process all the way up to the Supreme Court when Rick Snyder was doing this in Michigan. And I believe, although I'm not an expert on this, and it's been, what, four or five years or maybe more since I've done the research on this. And, and you can bet after I get off the air today, I'm going to be digging into this. But... I don't see what would stop them. So let's say, for example, you will just pick a state and a city. Trump sends some federal officers into Atlanta. 
They start tear gassing some people. All of a sudden, Atlanta is having protests, quote, riots. So Brian Kemp kicks out Mayor Bottoms and the city council, replaces them with an emergency manager, as Rick Snyder did in Michigan. And that emergency manager locks down the city. In November, you can't go out. We're under state of siege or emergency. At the same time, the guy running the post office, Donald Trump's hand-picked toady who's running the post office, who last week issued a memo to postal workers saying basically time to slow down the mail. No more overtime. He screws up the mail to the point that the mail-in ballots that happen in November are coming in way, way late. Too late to be counted. And so Georgia in November says, we can't certify our electoral college vote because we can't certify this vote. I'm sorry. And the same thing happens in Texas and Florida. Well, now you don't have, regardless of how big a blowout Joe Biden has, he doesn't have 50% plus one of the electoral college vote. Because you got a bunch of states that are just refusing to certify the vote. And so what happens? Well, it's time for the 12th Amendment. The U.S. House of Representatives decides who's going to be the president, and each state has one vote. And that vote is decided by the state legislature in each one of those states. And you say, oh, that's crazy. That would never happen in America. It did happen in America. It happened in 1876. Sam Tilden got more votes in the popular vote. He was the Democrat. He got more votes in the popular vote nationwide. And he won the Electoral College nationwide. He never became president. Rutherford Hayes, the Republican, became president. Because the vote went to the House. In short form. I mean, it's actually much more complicated than that because they went through a couple of iterations of this. and There was a huge battle around it. And Congress ended up later in 1876 or 1877 actually passing an amendment to the 12th Amendment, a law that clarified, shall we say, the 12th Amendment. And sure enough, here we have Reuters. President Trump on Monday said he plans to send law enforcement personnel to major U.S. cities. Trump, a Republican, mentioned New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Detroit, Baltimore, and Oakland, California. It's going to get interesting. Steve in Topanga, California. Hey, Steve, what's up? It just came to me this weekend that Trump isn't campaigning to win an election. He's campaigning to get his base and turn the country fascism. He knows he can't win an election legitimately, and the only way he can do it is steal it. And he's much more comfortable because he's been a criminal his whole life, yep. and he's got all his people behind him. And yep. I think that if we don't have our own monitors out there, I mean, he's testing the waters on so many fronts, and he's just the clown barking, you know, and, well, and keeping the public's attention, while his minions are going around coordinating the Republican governors like you were talking about. I 100% agree. He knows he can't win, so he's going to steal it. Stop and it. I think I may have laid out how he's going to do it, Steve. You know, yeah, I may I be wrong, so but... We need a lot of Democratic lawyers out there. Yeah. Their heads and a few yeah. billionaires to fund the thing. The vote needs to be absolutely overwhelming. This was, was the statement that Mary Trump made to Rachel Maddow at the end of that interview. The I only way that you're going agree. to get Trump out of office is if you win with such an overwhelming win that he can't deny it. That's what it's going to take. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, not too much, Tom. First, I just want to say I am so grateful to the universe for your show. I mean, if it wasn't for your show, I think, you know, we would definitely be in oblivion right now. And I'm here just to hit the panic button. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if we're woke or not. Okay, this is like, um, can a deer jump out of the way of a, of a speeding uh, uh, car? Yes, absolutely it can, until you hit it with your high beams in its eyes and paralyze it. You paralyze it with the shock, you run it over. And that's where we're at in America, okay? And it's important. Not, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to everybody. It is important that we do not equivocate. There was another caller a while back. She called up and complained about Section 215 of the Patriot Act, and she complained right. specifically about Pelosi, and, 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 and Schumer supporting that. Look, C-15 
Section 215, you, you've got to understand, these Republicans are fascists. You've got to be clear on that, and that's not just name-calling. All right, without Section 215, the Republicans would just get rid of the FISA court altogether. The Democrats are negotiating to keep this corporate uh, structure from going completely fascistic. It's an economic thing, okay? And I don't mean dollars. I mean economy of effort, all right? Now, now look, these generals, I'm going to say some things. If you don't like, if you say, look, you're calling generals fascists, and that's just name-calling, think of them this way. At the end of the day, their job is just to win. Donald Trump has given them, all right, have you ever known a, a football player taking steroids because he just wants to win? He takes steroids to the point to where it cripples his body, all right? That's what they're like. Donald Trump is throwing the steroids of corporate money at them. These guys are fascists, and that's, that's their agenda. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Yeah, I'm really wondering if this isn't some sort of a precursor to what might even happen uh, in the days after the election. Count on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering where they're recruiting these people. I've been hearing DEA agents are part of this force. We've heard Border Patrol. What if it isn't the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys that have not been recruited into this organization? And by the way, they're the ones responsible for quite a bit of the rioting and the looting. German euthanasia program was called Action T4, A-K-T-I-O-N T4, ran in 1939, 40, and 41, and then it was stopped. It's something you should read about. Ken Follett, in his book, Winter of the World, he used it in, in a couple of chapters, in the plots of a few of his chapters. So it's oh. worth reading. And, and i got to say that this is Trump's program regarding COVID. I think it's a euthanasia program. He's trying to kill as many people who won't vote for him as possible. I shared that opinion last week, and a few people said, oh, you're, you're off the rails, you know, Hartman. And, and others were like, eh, yeah, it could be. I'll check that out. I thought I read every Ken Follett novel that there was. When did he publish this? What was it about Winter? Winter of the World. It's that novel. It's a pretty big is novel. That, yeah, but typically they I, are. I mean, is it a re- relatively recent one? I'm not sure. Uh, probably about 10 years old. It's about yeah, the German. It, it was designed to kill, well, euthanize Germans inside Germany with physical and mental right. deficiencies, especially young kids. Some of the people working in the hospitals with euthanizing was going on. They contacted the clergy, the Catholic and the Lutheran clergy. And then you had this right. outcry from them on Sundays. And it was starting to stir up some resentment. And then uh, they stopped the program, except they really didn't stop it because it did continue on. It just wasn't uh, working as it had been. I'll have to check it out. Dennis, thanks a lot for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Tom Hartman here with you. Attempted murder of your post office. Uh, This is the outrage piece over at CommonDreams.org. Postal workers and their allies in Congress and they are absolutely raising hell. They are calling their senators. They're calling their members of the House. The House of Representatives, Democrats in the House, have already appropriated money to keep the post office going. But this uh, Louis DeJoy, the, this new postmaster general that Trump put into place just a few months ago, he just issued a whole series of memos. You can just check out my Twitter feed. He's issued these memos announcing, quote, major operational changes to the USPS The Washington Post says this, quote, could slow down mail delivery and that they're warning employees that the Postal Service would not survive unless it makes difficult changes to cut costs. Now, you and I both know that a large part of the so-called crisis in the post office is the result of, in 2006, the post office was incredibly profitable. Now, the post office does not use government money. There's no federal money being used in the post office. The closest you can get to that is that the infrastructure of the post office, the buildings and things are owned by the federal government. But everything else, the gas that they use, the vehicles they drive, paraphernalia and uniforms and uh, the the stuff that the postal carriers use, the, the bag full of mail over their shoulder, all that stuff is paid for with your postage stamps. The cost, the operating costs, the ongoing, everything. 
the post office came out and said, you know, we are the largest fleet, vehicle fleet in the United States. And we are showing a good profit. We're selling a lot of stamps. We're making money. And we're going to take that profit. We're going to take a few billion dollars and we're going to buy new vehicles that are clean, that are energy efficient. The little cars that they drive around in, you know, the little postal vehicles that they come and deliver mail door to door with, those were all going to be electric. And the trucks that they drive, the big trucks, they were going to be hydrogen powered. And in fact, they rolled out an electric car and a hydrogen powered truck at this big press conference that they had in Washington, D.C. saying, here's what we're going to do. Isn't this cool? We're going to do our part to solve the problem of climate change. And immediately, the fossil fuel billionaires said, oh, no, you don't. We're going to stop using fossil fuels? Don't think so. Ain't going to happen. Not on my watch. And so Congress passed this law, and I believe it was in 2006 the law was passed, that said that for the next 10 years, the post office had to set aside $5 billion every single year to pay for the health benefits. So this is all assuming that there will never be Medicare for all to pay for the health benefits of retirees 75 years from now, to pay for the health benefits of people who are going to retire 75 years from now who are not yet born. And for 10 years, based on this legislation pushed by George W. Bush, the oil executive, Dick Cheney, the oil executive, and the Republicans in Congress over the loud objections of Democrats, for 10 years, we sucked $5 billion a year out of the post office. This is classic Star of the Beast. Reagan's whole Star of the Beast strategy was cut back the funding to an agency until that agency is no longer able to do their job properly. Then you point at them and say, they can't do their job properly. We need to sell that off to some billionaire. Let's sell, let's sell the post office off to FedEx. They're not even unionized. That, that'll, that'll be the best purchaser possible. And that's exactly what Trump is doing right now. And Trump's guy, Louis DeJoy. Congressman Bill Pascrell says, with our states now reliant on mail voting to continue elections during the pandemic, the destabilizing of the post office is a direct attack on American democracy itself. He is not exaggerating. It literally is a direct attack on democracy itself. Make no mistake. This is where we're at. The Trump administration is, well, the, Steve Bannon said they were going to do this. Remember, right after Trump was inaugurated, what's, what's your first goal? Well, our main mission is to deconstruct the administrative state. What's the administrative state? Oh, that's the post office, the FDA, the USDA, the, the EPA, the IRS, the, you know, basically all the agencies of the federal government. He proclaimed, the Trump administration proclaimed that their goal was to destroy American You're government. listening to the Tom Hartman program. And now they're doing it right in front of us. Are you guys ready for peak libertarianism? How do you suggest that we push back on this? John in Highbridge, New Jersey. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I'm a letter carrier, and uh, it got leaked out that our new Postmaster General DeJoy has ordered mail to be delayed, no overtime. It's happening in our, our region. Routes aren't going out. Medicine's not going out. They're not having any of our case mails not being delivered. Today, a route might not get delivered. We had one office, six routes didn't get delivered, and then tomorrow they'll get delivered, then they'll pick another six routes. If that's happening to you, you need to call your congressmen and uh, senators and complain about it. I mean, we're filing grievances, but that's going to take time. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, I was talking with Sean about this yesterday. We were trying to get the uh, head of the post, the letter carriers union on the program to talk about this. I mean, it, it is this this is the extension of what I was talking about. This is your peak libertarianism. David Koch ran on a platform of privatizing the post office and, 
you know, he has passed on, but his brother continues to fund these right-wing groups in the Republican Party, and the Republican Party is gung-ho to do this, and this is where we're at. I mean, this is a terrible thing with the post office, and like I said earlier, I think it's a twofer here. Trump gets to disrupt the elections this fall as well, so yep. that he can claim that we can't certify the vote because we can't, you know, we don't know when they came in, and there's too many mail votes, and so we're just going to have to let the House of Representatives vote. You know, and the 12th Amendment uh, solution comes about. I continue going back to that because I really think that this is what these guys are thinking about. They want to privatize our fire departments. I mean, they want to privatize our roads. It you just ask, goes on uh, and on. Congressman Pocan about this? Yeah. Uh, Don, are, you said you're a letter carrier. Is the general response of your peers defiance or depression? We're not happy at all because, if, you know, we care about our customers. I'm a union steward and I'm calling around. I'm letting Senator Carper know what's going on in each city in my state. So So you guys are going to fight back. Good. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be very busy with grievances every day. Great. Don, thank you very much. Thanks for your help, Tom. Yeah, good talking to you. I appreciate your call. Johan in Van Nuys, California. I'd like to add something that, in addition to the post office, for years now Mm -hmm. I've been writing on every envelope I send on the back save our post office. And I wondered if we could all take that on because very few people seem to realize, uh, at least around me, they look at me cross-eyed when I say, do you know what's going to happen if we lose our post office? I just wondered if that was as good a suggestion. The other thing I'd like to mention is when we talk about uh, the Kochs and Trump, can't we call them anarchists because they are against all laws and regulation? Oh, but they're um, not. They're totally in favor of putting you in jail if you're using drugs. They're totally in favor of smashing your face in and and, uh, shooting you with rubber bullets if you're protesting their policies. There's all kinds of laws that they love very, very much. For us, but not for them. I would call them fascists. I would call them oligarchs. They're tyrants. These people are are moving this country toward tyranny. Sometime you could have a show or recommend a book about Hobbes and his influence and relevancy today, his Calvinism, the extreme judgmental on other people and elitism and fate. Caveat, I'm only a third of the way through the book right now, but it is, uh, it is absolutely brilliant. It's by a fellow by the name of Bergman, that's his, his last name, B-E-R-G-M-A-N, and it's called Humankind, okay. just that one word. This book, at least the third that I have read so far, is probably one of the most astonishing books I've read in 30 or 40 years. And have you read the book Sapiens at all? Wasn't Sapiens basically kind of a history of humanity sort of book? Yes, but I got a little wary when I saw the recommendations from Gates and people like him. I just, I started it and then I started, whoa, this is a big book to read. Do I have time? You know, I have the book. I read the book when it was a New York Times bestseller, which was a couple of years ago, as I recall. And it didn't make that much of an impression on me. So, you know, okay. I, well, I'm going to take humankind is have. mind-boggling. But and by the way, he starts out with Hobbes and Rousseau, and a little bit of John Locke. I, I would throw John Locke in there because he was kind of the guy in between Hobbes and Rousseau. And he was saying, mm-hmm. well, yeah, maybe we have to, you know, control human nature. But on the other hand, maybe human nature is good because we can govern ourselves. And here's how you do it. And that was his second treatise on government. 1670, I think 1674 it was published. This book is, is just uh, mind boggling. You're going you're to love it. I got to run. But like thank you for say, the call. Reagan doctrine is greed is good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and that became the defining mantra for the 1980s. Gina in Berkeley. Hey, Gina, what's up? I'm a senior. In fact, I'm older than you, and I'm not really into computers. I do everything through the, through the U.S. mail, receive bills, pay bills, and vote by mail. So recently, Congress, both houses, voted to fund the mail, and Trump vetoed it. So I'm wondering, do you have any idea how we're going to fund the U.S. mail before election? Gina, it's going to be a real challenge. I mean, you've got Mitch McConnell saying that he's going to do everything he can to try to create chaos going up to the election. Donald Trump obviously doing the same thing. Yesterday at the Rose Garden, he was trying to say that there was some sort of difference between absentee ballots and mail-in ballots. <laughs> there is no difference. An absentee ballot is a mail-in ballot. And I think he knows that. He's, he's, he votes absentee. His family votes absentee. His campaign manager votes absentee. You know, the people around him vote absentee. 
you know, they all know what's going on. They all they all know what this is. But if they can screw with the mail enough that absentee ballots show up late and therefore don't get counted and a, a large enough percentage of them don't get counted that it's a crisis that would cause, you know, a couple of states like Florida and Texas to say, you know, we can't quite certify this election here. Um, then boom, it goes to the House of Representatives and uh, each state has one vote and you've got 29 or 30 states that are Republican controlled and bingo, Trump is president again. Wow, what are, this is just this is just crazy. Renee in Live Oaks, California. Hey, Renee, what's up? Thanks for watching Free Speech. They're throwing so much at us right now. You got to keep a notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, the SS is in Portland. I lived in Portland for I don't know thirty years, and right now I'm here. But I and they're trying to get rid of the post office. Okay, one thing. I need you to write this down. Okay, last week or a week and a half ago, I saw this on a ticker tape on Bloomberg and CNN and one blurb and nothing again. Okay, the Census Bureau, this is really weird. This is almost like Nazism now. The Census Bureau was asking the White House for the resumes of two political appointees appointed to the Census Bureau. And they didn't know. Okay. They had no information on them. They didn't, and I haven't been able to find any other information. Did they get that information? Why? Why are there political appointees in the Census Bureau? What are they counting? What are they looking for? What's going on? Yeah, I just I just wrote it down. Census Bureau, of course, is controlled by the Commerce Department. The Commerce Com- Department is controlled by Wilbur Ross. Wilbur Ross is one of the billionaires on Trump's in Trump's cabinet who is considered. Probably one of the more corrupt billionaires in America, Forbes magazine called him a grifter. It takes a hell of a lot for Forbes magazine to call any billionaire a grifter. So, Renee, thank you. I did write that down, and I will look into it. I don't have an answer for you right off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Jessica in Chicago. Hey, Jessica, what's on your mind today? I just bought $100 of stamps, and my girlfriend and me are sending 200 postcards to the swing states to try and persuade them to vote a better way of course, for Biden. But mm-hmm. there is a website or an email site. It is www.postcards and then the number two, swingstates.com. And somebody is running this. I, I think it might even be indivisible. What? They, they send you the postcards and then you send them out? Or, we, I mean, because you, we can, are you going can just get them up from a place in Clareton Hills, a couple towns over. I mm. think it's indivisible running this. It's mm-hmm. www.postcards, the number two, swingstates.com. And I know your listeners are great, and they're so intelligent, and a lot of them can afford to do this. This is like, you can't knock door to door anymore. This is our way of helping as much as we can. Yeah, I'm looking at the website right now. The, it's the Indivisible Chicago yeah. Alliance. I love put it. this thing together. But I'm yeah. sure... And they've, others... they've sent out uh, 2 million postcards so far. Yes, and um, we're going to do it too. 25,000 people. Oh, yeah. is that cool? Yeah, and you have work. such a Plus wonderful you're... state. So, I mean, I, I just thought, what perfect timing, too. So, yeah. Yeah, Plus, you're supporting the post office, which is, you know, a good and noble thing. Um, Yep. How'd you find out about this, Jessica? Both me and my friend are very active. I've been to two protests, and um, reporters always take pictures of my posters because I do kind of scary posters. We're just very active Mm. in getting the word out. In fact, my last poster was kind of scary. I had a bloody hand on it and said... Republican senators, you have the blood of the people on your hands, too. And people were like, ooh. So, yeah. Jessica, yeah, thanks just, for the call, and thanks for the heads up on that. I'll check it out. I Thank you. Thank you and, for yeah, telling keep people. Up great work. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. And thanks for watching Free Speech. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. 
and it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Lydia in uh, Tachi, how do you say that in California, that town? Tehachapi. It's an indigenous Ah, community. A lot of people don't remember or know that under the Bush-Cheney administration, they called together a meeting of private corporations which actually competed with the U.S. Postal Service to supposedly, and I'm doing air quotes, analyze the Postal Service in order to improve it. And among the many things that they did was to formulate this piece of legislation which basically took away profits from the Postal Service in order to establish a fund for workers that have not even been born yet or will not even be working, but it's to fund this plan 75 75 years years in the future. I was shocked the other day when I heard that Mnuchin was suggesting that they give the Postal Service a loan. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, the Postal Service has been sacked on a daily basis. Right. It's They've got 50 billion time. bucks sitting yeah. in the bank that they can't touch for 75 years. This is what George and Bush did to them in 2006 after the year before they announced that they were going to electrify the, uh, the largest individual car fleet in America, the postal trucks. Mm-hmm. They were going to electrify them. And the fossil fuel billionaires came out and said, OK, that's it. And, uh, you know, the Bush administration. And for that reason, I'm saying, why are we giving them loans? Just give back the money that they Mm -hmm. have been sacking them and they will run and function just fine. 
My mother yeah, was a, with a with work you. and a carrier for many, many years. And she was a proud member of both the unions, the carriers and the postal workers union. And so I grew up listening to her talk about what was going on and the problems that they were facing. And uh, her last years were under Bush and Cheney. And we were constantly talking about this to people. It's not a piece of information that a lot of people are remembering. The Postal Service provides a unique service. It is the only business that has always been independent and self-sustaining and profitable. And yet we're expecting to privatize it and think that it's not going to ruin the nation. How are we going to divide the nation up among a number of private corporations? They couldn't emulate, even come close to emulating what the U.S. Postal Service has historically done. And now we're getting this reports of horrific changes in the Postal Service, which have been going on for quite some time in order to stifle the work that they're doing. This is, this is Reagan's starve the beast strategy on steroids, Lydia. You take away money from a federal agency to the point that they can no longer provide the service that they typically provide in a decent fashion. Then you say, look at their services deteriorated. Let's give it to a private corporation. This is pure and simple starve the beast. David Stockman bragged about this back in the early 1980s when he was an office management and budget director for Ronald Reagan. It's happening again. Tony in Shirley, New York. Hey, Tony, what's on your mind? I recently noticed that the Trump administration had instituted a new postmaster general in effect. I've already seen multiple documents that have been released, basically controlling the amount of mail that's flowing in and out, controlling overtime, controlling overflow. My question is, is do you not think that this is maybe a precursor to possibly gaining control of a more enhanced mail-in-by-vote campaign? because uh, it appears to me that this is one way that he can potentially control how the ballots are either drawn or whether or not they even get picked up. Yeah, or, or even distributed to people's homes. Um, you know, yes, absolutely. And slow down the mail in Democratic areas or in cities. There's a lot of possibilities here, Tony. I mean, this is, this is creeping fascism right in front of us. Privatize the post office, privatize everything. That's, you know, g- having government functions done by private corporations is virtually the textbook definition of fascism. These changes in the post office are designed, uh, frankly, to destroy the post office, in my humble opinion. I think it's, uh, I think it's fairly easy to figure out when you read what the, what the postmaster general is saying. You know, there will be changes in the quality of our service. I mean, that, that's basically the, his message. And apparently they're, they're happening pretty soon if not already. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. NetSuite.com slash Hartman. That's NetSuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. 
Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Tom Harbin here with you. A lot going on in the world, and, uh, you know, let's talk about it. Carol in Manassas, Pennsylvania. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind today? I am not despairing yet, but I'm becoming more pessimistic. I don't know if that has to do with the fact that I've been housebound since March 15th or not, but it probably plays a part. Yeah. My concern is what's going on in Portland is going to happen everywhere. And mm. as soon as the mayor asked them to leave... They said no. And I'm wondering now, the mayor of Chicago is trying to prevent them from coming, these stormtroopers, and they're saying, you can't stop us. And my question is, and why I'm becoming very frustrated and upset, is who would we go to to stop Trump if he continues to say no to everything because he doesn't care about the law, he doesn't care about people, he doesn't care about the coronavirus, he cares only about himself. And how do you deal with someone like that? I mean, is he just going to let these people overrun our cities? I live about 20 minutes from Pittsburgh, and we haven't had any problems in Pittsburgh. But I guarantee you, if he sends people there, we will. Yeah, being locked down since, uh, in the case for Louise and I, I think it was since March 10th, is a little maddening. In fact, we were discussing that this morning when we were getting out of bed. It just, it, you know, it's like, it's so easy to just, you know, for the pressure to just build up to the point where it comes out in, in ways that may surprise you, you know, little antagonisms and things. And you, you just have to catch that all the time. But that said, with regard to Donald Trump and, and the troops and, and whether they'll back off, it turns out there's some really good reporting today that uh, it was the Portland Police Union that reached out to the Trump administration and said, we would be glad to work with you. The police union in Chicago has reached out to the Trump administration. The police union, I believe it's in Philadelphia, reached out to the Trump administration. You can find these reports, I believe, at dailycoes.com. I'm pretty sure that's where I read this this morning. And that's very troubling. And the one thing that I keep wondering is when do we hit the point where conservatives who have been worried about overweening government, you know, government having too much power, too much influence, particularly the police powers of government being too aggressive. When do those people start flipping? When do they start waking up? So far, we're seeing some of them, you know, the Steve Schmitz of the world, the Lincoln Projects, the George Conways, and now Liz Cheney speaking out against Trump. And I think that there's going to be a lot more coming but will it be enough, number one? And number two, you know, you've got all these well-armed militias all over the country that are almost exclusively, if not entirely exclusively, white guys who think that they're defending the, basically the power of white people. At what point do they realize that Trump is just using them, that they're just useful idiots you know, for his power grab, because he's going to he will use them and, and dispose of them, you know, just like he has you know, a whole series of secretaries of defense and, 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 and cabinet officers. I mean, he just Trump doesn't give a damn about anybody. No fascist does. I'm watching that carefully, Carol. But, I, you know, I don't know how this is going to shake out. Margie in oh, Millerstown. Indiana County. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I'm surrounded in some country. I could just about rip my hair out every day. <laughs> anyway, I agree with everything everybody's saying here today. I've been on uh, Steve Bannon. I think he needs to be watched very closely, and I don't really think he ever left the White House. I think he's right there under Steve, Steve Miller's. Yes, yes, Steve Bannon. He well, Trump essentially said that in his, yeah. in his interview with Chris Wallace. Oh, I didn't you know, he see said, that. Uh, yeah. you know, he's Steve, still in contact. He's, with a, he's able to do even more not being in the White yeah. House. <laughs> exactly. And in other words, he, through, he doesn't have oversight. Right. But he's doing it through Stephen Miller, who was his best friend, yeah. you know, when they were all started out. I watched a special program on MSNBC, and it was Richard Angle's special. Mm-hmm. And it was about when Notre Dame was burnt down. But he also, during that interview, had a special interview with Stephen Bannon. And Hmm. one of his questions to him is, you know, what happens that you're here and, you know, here? And he said, I'm looking at a property to put a centrally located an international training, yeah, training academy for fascists. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He had, yeah, he had a monastery for a while, and then he lost it, and then he got it back. And I, I'm assuming it's it's going and working and all that kind of stuff. I yeah. really do think that this whole white nationalist this thing involves a lot of different countries. Yeah, you never see yeah, a word. You know, of- Hitler couldn't have done it alone. Mussolini couldn't have done it alone. Pinochet couldn't have done it alone. Trump is not doing it alone. Margie, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Ramesu in Birmingham, Alabama. Let's try it again. Am I saying your name right? Yes, you did, Tom. I'm not a man given to a lot of paranoia. But, I mean, America's sleepwalking into a dictatorship. It's like no one noticed it. I remember Checkpoint Charlie, what East Germany was like, you know? I mean, uh, yeah. You were I, in the military? You know, yes, yeah. I had 11 years. I was stationed in mm. Germany for two. I'm not being paranoid here, but I mean, Trump loves authoritarians, dictators. Trump, I think he views himself with that authority. That's who Trump is. He's got Barr, who's totally just threw gas onto the Justice Department. You know, I mean, he's got a brown shirt, secret police. I mean, is anybody awake? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a damn good question, Ramesu. And, I, you know, I am hopeful that, you know, we're playing our small part in waking people up, much like the late John Lewis did, you know, around issues of race. This encompasses race, but this is insane. Ramesu, thank you for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. On the science revolution, Sonia Shaw, author of Pandemic, is here, and she says it's time to tell a new story about coronavirus. Our lives depend on it. Dr. Enric Sala with National Geographic tells us how the benefits of protecting 30% of the planet will outweigh the costs. Lily Eskelson-Garcia with the National Education Association, the NEA, is dropping by. How is America going to protect our children as Trump and DeVos force them back into school? And Charlie Jang with Greenpeace USA is here about how a Green New Deal and the DNC will get along. Tune in wherever you find fine podcasts. Okay, in the news right now, Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, you know, right-wing cuckoo bird here in Florida, going nuts on Liz Cheney in a meeting this morning in Washington, D.C. Liz Cheney, of course, is, I believe, number three in Republican leadership, the daughter of Vice President, you know, former Vice President Dick Cheney. And Gates uh, writes, uh, Liz has worked behind the scenes and now in public against Donald Trump and his agenda. House Republicans deserve better as our conference chair. Liz Cheney should step down or be removed. He was joined by uh, Thomas Massey, the Republican from Kentucky, Chick Roy of Texas, Louis Gohmert of Texas, Andy Biggs, Republican of Arizona, Jim Jordan of Ohio. Every single one of them got up and, and denounced Liz Cheney. She apparently was speaking back. I think the takeaway from this is when a crazed right winger like Lynn Cheney isn't hard right enough, 
for the Tea Party funded, you know, the billionaire, the Koch brothers funded members of the House of Representatives, we should all get very, very nervous. The right is rapidly collapsing into the, the extreme right is becoming the fascist right. I don't know any other way to say it. Trump has sent his federal police into Portland, his secret police into Portland. And Portland is a blue city with a Democratic mayor and, uh, you know, Democratic. He's also the police commissioner. But Portland's in a democratically controlled state. Our governor, Kate Brown, is a Democrat. Our attorney general is a Democrat. I mean, et cetera, right? Now, get in the Wayback Machine for a moment, back to the, uh, I believe it was during the Bush administration, when Rick Snyder, maybe it was the Obama administration, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at exactly what year Flint got poisoned. But, you know, the bottom line is that the governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, the Republican governor of Michigan, declared a state of emergency in Detroit and Flint. And I believe also Port Huron. There was a couple of other cities where he declared a state of emergency. They were all majority black cities. They all had Democratic mayors. And he put in place in each one of these cities a so-called emergency manager, a dictator, a person who had no authority as a result of democracy. This isn't working out well for Trump in Portland, I don't think, right now. But right now you've got Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta, in an ugly battle right now, ugly on the part of Brian Kemp, the Republican governor of Georgia. He's trying to get her to comply with a gag order to not even talk to the press. Well, what if he simply does what Rick Snyder does? What if he simply says, okay, I'm going to declare a state of emergency in Atlanta. I'm going to replace the mayor and the city council which is what Rick Snyder in Michigan did with Detroit and, and Flint and Port Huron. I'm going to replace, or whatever the third city was, I'm going to replace the mayor and the city council with my own guys, and we're going to bring in federal police. And we're going to turn our cities, particularly the cities of large black populations, we're going to turn them basically into war zones. And then the Boogaloo boys all go through the ICE training program and get their guns and their badges and their uniforms with no ID. And boom, you've got your race war that Trump appears to want. You think I'm crazy? Sharon in Salisbury, Maryland. Hey, Sharon, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for taking my call. Tom, I've been listening to you for years and I have never, ever heard a sense of pessimism in your voice. And I just want to encourage you, being that you're there in Portland and, you know, you're dealing with the unidentifiable federal agents or so-called federal agents that are coming in, I just want to tell you to you hang on in there because we come to you every day to listen to others' opinions from all over the world and to listen to your knowledge and your advice and you just, I just want to tell you to hang one in there. And, you know, I was listening to a previous call of Karen. And Karen had an idea about lockdown when this mm-hmm. unidentifiable group comes to a city. I thought that was a great right. idea. Matter of fact, right before she, she had mentioned, I had the same thought. That's what prompted me to give you a call. Because mm-hmm. we have to do something. We cannot do nothing. We have to be prepared. Without people on the street, there cannot be an altercation with this group. So that is just one idea. Another idea, because I'm sure that there are many of our state, local, and federal Congress people, they listen to you, your program. I want to hear from them. I want each one of them to go into their districts, to go into their states, and to tell us what it is they're doing and what it is that we need to do to combat this evil force that is coming into Mm -hmm. our cities. Again, Tom, I'm praying for you. You hang in there, and you keep giving us that information that we so need to hear from you each and every day. You keep your chin up. Don't thank you. Sharon. Don't don't. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Keep it. I am. I, you know, Sharon. I have to say, I'm actually long term. 
You know, looking at this in a 10 or 20 year window, I'm actually very optimistic. Every 80 years, it seems like this country experiences a major crisis. And every 80 years, it seems like we dig down deep inside and find that well of egalitarianism, of idealism that came out of the Enlightenment in the the 17th century and broke on the shores of this country, you know, became the idea of democracy in America. And every 80 years, we make it better, you know, whether it was after the Civil War, after the Great Depression, and now we're 80 years out from that. But I think that it's going to be a hell of a rough ride between now and January 20th. And, and frankly, I think it's going to probably be a rough ride for a year or so after that. But I'm not despairing, Sharon. And I don't think that Trump is going to triumph either at the polls or as fascist in chief. Does that help? That really helps a lot. And just guarantee, just know that I'll be listening to you each and every day. Thank you. Thanks for your kind words, and thanks for reminding me of the importance of keeping up on this and sharing, generally speaking, a positive message with people. Because it's what I feel. I am not despairing. I'm not freaked out. Well, I am freaked out. I'm very concerned. I guess I've said enough. Sharon, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.